Babies, let's get this podcast on. Special girls, let's get the podcast on. I mean, hello, welcome to Death by Music Podcast. We're just getting right into it. It's we're fine. just getting in on. They don't care who we are. Um, by the way, today we're speaking about Marvin Gaye. Yep. Um, but yeah, this is Death by Music Podcast. I believe when we put these out, this is going to be episode number three. Yeah. John Bonham and then Patsy. I think in the way that they're put out. You know, it's there's a list somewhere. Oh, oh, you Whatever. have an order. Okay. Yeah, I had I I planned an order because I want them to be very like spread out as far as genre, and you can't really put John Bonham right after Great White because they both are like very um, guitar y. Just sneeze. <laughs> Hang on, <laughs> let me go take my allergy. Do you have coronavirus? Fucking nerd. No, I have allergies. Every you time you do need to. Well, she's gone. I'll tell you guys that we just got new podcast furniture. Does it make the most sense? No. But is it badass? Yes. And uh, we took some pictures of it that will be up on the Death by Podcast Instagram page. We found uh, this couch and chair from like 1928 or something around those years. It's vintage. It's velvet. And it's fucking rad. It's a cool era. Um, yeah. And then we have <laughs> these weird curtains. Everything in this room is really gaudy and it's beautiful. So again, we'll put the pictures up I told on Alex Instagram. It's because the room is a lot and so are we. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's that's how I'll describe it. <laughs> so like I said, today we are talking about Marvin Gaye. So he was signed to Motown and Motown became, began as a record label from Detroit, Michigan, the Motor Town. Uh, it was the most successful soul music label ever and was instrumental in pushing racial integration to the pop charts with black singers and groups. So you'll you'll hear people talk about the Motown sound. And for those of you that aren't really familiar with it, it's a real combination of influences. Gospel and soul music, music both play a huge role. They have simple structures but complex melodies. They layer on horns, strings, and drums. Uh, Smokey Robinson, a Motown staple, said that the key ingredient is spiritual, and it comes from the people that make it happen. It is spiritual. But I, I was doing some research on my own, and so Motown Records actually sold at a net worth of $61 million in 1988. And between 1960 and 1969, the label had 79 records in the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. So that's pretty impressive what they were cranking out. <laughs> yeah, and they really were cranking it out. The um, Motown studios were said to run like a factory. They were running 22 hours a day. They were churning out new singles wow. for their artists and then uh, sending them on tour for weeks at a time. It really was a machine. Wow. So. The art, once the artists were back from tour, they would go straight back into the studios and record and in hopes of getting one of the top five singles that week. That was the goal was to have a single in the top five like every week. If you didn't, you out. <laughs> so one of the people who helped <laughs> to shape the Motown sound of the 60s was Marvin Gaye, of course. Um, he started first as a session musician and then he crossed over as a solo artist where he earned himself the nickname Prince of Motown. He had enormous hits like Heard It Through the Grapevine and Sexual Healing, both of which we listened to in the car on the way over here. God. For the Great. longest time, I thought Sexual Healing was Sexual Feeling, so I'd be like, Sexual like singing If along only you with guys it. could have seen the motions she just did. It was, yep. it was rated R. It was very R. graphic. If we had an HR department, <laughs> I would be fired. Um, after huge hits like that, Marvin Gaye earned himself a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, and yeah. he found a spot in the... Um, R&B music, songwriters, and rock and roll halls of fame. 
Uh, but with all of our stories, this one is going to end in tragedy. I just thought of something you can cut it out later. This guy traded in a book today and it was like heroin, but it was like, <laughs> I'm just in the picture. Hang on, I can't move. The background of the book was a flower. It made no sense. I was like, this would make me want to read it. I don't understand. It's probably it's a, a poppy. Doesn't heroin come from poppy? Is that a, is that a picture of a guy playing guitar though? Oh. <laughs> it's literally not. a flower. It's literally a flower. It's like pretty. This looks like it could be like a poetry book. You gotta it just see it from the way heroin. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like a dude playing guitar. That's really weird. Hmm. Are, Are you, you on heroin? heroin? <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> oh, God. Marvin Gaye was born in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Back in 1939 uh, to parents Marvin Gaye, with no E, senior, who is a church minister. He's kind of like at a storefront church. I mean, I would absolutely never go to a storefront church, but I would also never go to a standalone church either. <laughs> <laughs> Any church, I'm out. So, Except for church of church's chicken. <laughs> I'm at church's, church's chicken. chicken for sure. That's a church I'll walk week. into. Yeah. Sponsor us. <laughs> Give us the crispy Lord, everyone. <laughs> okay, so anyways, their name was uh, Gay G A Y. There was no e on the end. That was added later, kind of like how Buddy Holly took the e away. Look, well, Marvin Gay picked it back up and was like. Look, the E was cool. Yo, buddy, can I have this? So Alberta Gay was his mother, and she was a domestic worker. Alberta had a really, really hard childhood. Um, once her father shot her mother in a fight. Her mom did survive, and her dad later died in a psychiatric facility. Um, Marvin's family was not rich. He was basically raised in, in a huge slum. Some of the buildings didn't even have electricity or running water. Wow. Um, so let's go ahead and establish the fact that Marvin's dad, Marvin Sr., is a piece I'm of shit. <laughs> sensing a pattern. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Marvin Sr. and Alberta, they had four other children together. Alberta had one from a previous relationship, and then they had one son who was from one of Marvin Sr.'s extramarital affairs. Um, the child that Alberta had previously, Michael, was sent to live with her sister, Marvin Sr. did not fancy himself taking care of another man's children. Even though Alberta had to take care of his baby, he was like, no, no. Yeah. First kid, fuck him. That's what I was like. Oh, it's his child, but like out of their marriage, he could live with them. Like that doesn't yeah. make any and sense. And that kid, Michael, did not know that Alberta was his mother until he was a teenager. That's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. So Marvin Sr. is... Pretty much exactly what I hate in a human being. He's a church guy, which is what I wrote here. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I've made that stance clear. Um, don't get me wrong. Some <laughs> church people are okay, but he's a minister. So he's like a hypocrite because he's preaching God's word. And at the same time, he's fucking women who aren't his wife. He's beating his children and he's spiraling into alcoholism. <laughs> so maybe before you try telling other people what to do with their lives and how to save themselves, you fucking look at your family and what you're doing to them. A lot of those mega church guys act like rock stars, literally. Yeah. Like, yeah. They and they're not, they they're want. like the worst people to be taking any sort of advice from. They're pieces of shit. Yeah. So. I, I actually looked up, there's a very extensive list of quote unquote leaders who like fancy themselves religious, but are actually known to committed crimes during their reign. Um, most have been religious types who kind of stray from the overall biblical teaching after time once they realize what power they have mm -hmm. over other people. So I guess even like the guy, even the guy that played 
the pastor on the Seventh Heaven show like mm-hmm. was a pedophile. Oh, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, Isn't that the I same guy? That so long. Yeah, that is the da- the dad. Yeah. And it came Seventh out that Heaven. he was a diddler. Yeah, diddler. Yeah, he always so. had diddler vibes. Marvin's dad was apparently very strict. Um, he was preaching Hebrew, Hebrew Pentecostalism. Um, and these are the guys who are like into like snake charming and speaking in tongues. It's the like super extreme stuff, which is always at a storefront church. Um, but you guys have probably seen the videos of the churches where they're like all flipping out and then someone replaces the music with a metal breakdown. So Marvin got involved singing at church at the age of four alongside his dad. It's interesting though, because his dad apparently never approved of singing as a career, but it was cool at church. So regardless, church is where uh, he developed his love of singing, which is basically what saved him. You know, his childhood was so shitty. Um, His father would beat him brutally for any shortcomings while his mother would Mm. encourage him to sing. And if she hadn't been supporting him, Gay says that he would have killed himself. So at least he had his mom. Uh, Marvin Gaye equated living with his dad to living with a king, a very peculiar, changeable, cruel, and all-powerful king. Mm-hmm. Marvin Sr. would question his children on biblical passage and then passages, and then he would beat them if they had the wrong answer. He would beat them if they were a minute late or if they put items in the wrong places. And it's crazy because they're children. Like, children are not going to do everything exactly right all of the time. They're kids. Tell that to my mother. Just kidding. (laughs) Okay. So all four of the kids had problem with bedwetting, which is a huge sign. It's a very common for abused children. Yeah. It's like all the physical and mental abuse would take a toll on them. It's a regressive symptom from the stress of all the trauma. Um, So Alberta told the press that Marvin Sr. never really loved his son and didn't want her to love him either. Marvin's oldest brother, Michael, encouraged him to stand up to his father. And Michael's the one who was sent away. There's just a whole reason why they sent him to live with other members of the family. Yeah, you can't. I mean, it's probably better they did that because you can't thrive or change who you are in a negative environment. Yeah. So Marvin Jr. clung to his singing. He became a star in his junior high glee club. In high school, he joined some doo-wop vocal groups as his relationship with his father further deteriorated. Mm. Marvin Jr. was getting kicked out of the house constantly. So when he turned 17, he did what any kid who hates their parents wanted to do, and he he got out. He joined the military. He was in the Air Force for a pretty short time, but uh, soon discovered that their authoritarian disciplining was pretty much the same treatment that he got at home. Yeah, according to one of his chaplains, uh, Marvin actually lacked cooperation and was pretty lazy. They attempted to discipline him to sort of light a fire under his ass, but uh, he just proved to be useless in that scenario. (laughs) Yeah, and eventually uh, Marvin Gaye ended up faking a mental illness and was discharged from the Air Force. It's kind of messed up, though. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in there either. I'd be like, I I am. What did he lie about? I do I, not believe didn't I could give find that. exact detail. Bone, um, bone spurs? I don't know. No, he faked a mental illness. A mental illness is not a bone spur. Unless oh. you have a bone spurring in your brain. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't physically, like mentally, I wouldn't be able to deal with somebody yelling at me 24-7. I but, know. But like he left his home to then, like, oh, I'm going to show them to like land in that same typical like environment. I yeah. mean, granted, they're not allowed to put hands on you in the military. Not anymore. He's also a musician. He doesn't want to do push-ups and stuff. Yeah. Well, so he, anyways, <laughs> he faked this 
thing and um, ended up returning. He went back to D.C. and he decided to pick up on music again. So he formed a group with his buddy and then they began to work with Bo Diddley, who later signed them as a vocal group, the Marquees. Uh, Bo Diddley is one of the main players to bridge the gap from blues to rock and roll. His music inspired many white musicians like Buddy Holly, Elvis, the Beatles, and the Rolling Stones. Um, the group didn't do so well, unfortunately. They failed to chart, and so they were eventually dropped from Bo's label. Boo. Boo. Shortly after that, they relocated to Chicago to work for the Moonglows, Harvey Fuqua and his group, Harvey and the New Moonglows. So what was interesting to me in this point was like both the Marquis and the New Moonglows had such a like doo-wop sound. So when you're listening to Gay's hits, it's kind of mind-blowing how much that sound changed in that short span of time. Like he went from, you know, almost like scat jazzing to then this like very soulful singer. Um, if you're actually interested in seeing the difference, like we talked about earlier, we have a playlist and I put mm-hmm. it together and it's pretty fucking rad. So go check it out. Yeah, I think this one's going to be really good. Yeah. Um, so the new Moon Glow started to pick up some session singing gigs with the likes of Chuck Berry, but eventually they disbanded in 1960. Gay and Fuqua decided to relocate again, this time from Chicago to Detroit. Pretty good move. And they were signed to Tri-Fi Records as session musicians. During that time, Marvin Gaye actually ended up performing over the holidays at Barry Gordy's house. And Barry Gordy was the president of Motown. He loved Marvin Gaye singing so much that he bought out a part of his contract to have him sign with Tamla, which was a subsidiary of Motown. This is when Marvin Gaye changed his last name. He added on the E. I mean, people were making all kinds of gay jokes. It's 1960. It's not a good time to be black or gay. So he added on the E. Um, which somehow silenced any rumors about his sexuality, but mostly it put some more distance between him and his father. In 1961, Gay started his own recordings, which were largely unsuccessful. He spent more time performing as a session drummer than a singer that year. While he wasn't finding any solo success at the time, there was a lot going on behind the scenes. Marvin Gaye was making a name for himself at Motown. He was recording with Stevie Wonder, The Supremes, The Marvelettes, and more. In 1963, Marvin married Anna Gordy, which was the sister of the founder and president, Barry Gordy. Yeah, Gay met Anna actually in 1959 while performing with the New Moon Glows. And while Gay was working with her, he fell in love. So they began dating. And then three years three years later, he puts a ring on it. It's nice. his pust. <laughs> <laughs> Typo. Mm. Yep. So after after a year of securing his position at Motown, Gay finally had a hit. In 1962, he got his first solo hit on the R&B charts, which was Stubborn Kind of Fellow, followed by Hitchhike, which hit the top 40. Then Pride and Joy, which was a song inspired by his wife Anna, landed a spot in the top 10. That October, he was added to the Mo- Motortown Review concert series tours. That propelled him into international fame. So by 1964, Marvin was performing on American Bandstand. For those of you that are not hip to the pop culture reference, American Bandstand was actually a music performance and dance TV show that aired from 1952 until 1989. I didn't know it was that old. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Dick Clark. He was the host and the producer of the show from 1956 until its final season in 89. There needs to be another show like that. I that's what was I don't understand Modern why day. I don't have anything like that. I think we talked about that. We did. Yeah. Popular music isn't this cool? Like it's not about live music well, as much. Well, and people don't anymore. dance anymore. Maybe the 80s ruined that or something, but people don't. I don't know. I mean, you had the the Olivia Newton-John like get physical. Was yeah, that but 80s? that's not like that a couple's 80s. dance. 
You can get physical as a couple. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Marvin started working with a performer named Tammy Terrell on duets, which ended up being wildly successful. But in Farmville, Virginia, it was discovered that Tammy was suffering from a brain tumor. In 1970, she lost her battle, and that one hit Marvin Gaye really hard. Um, he vowed to never partner with a female vocalist again, and he almost gave up his career for good. That's very extreme. What do you mean? It's just extreme. Like, you like, can't I'm work never. with someone else? Well, yeah. because they had such a good relationship. I mean, they they did a lot of stuff together, you know, sure. as far as recording and performing. I get it. And, and I get it. Like, I don't want to work with anyone as a, out of respect for her. It's like yeah. when you have a dog sure. guy you loved, you're like, I'm never going to get another puppy. And then next week, you're like, oh, God, you know what? So on to the puppy. I got to get a puppy, you know? Yeah. Okay. So then that's that's when <laughs> he got Diana. Is that when he got Diana Ross? Well, yeah, because that didn't last. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is what he said. He almost gave up his career for good after she died. They were they were super close. Um, and at that point, he actually became disillusioned with the whole music industry. He didn't feel like he was deserving of the praise or success he was getting. He started to feel like a puppet of the record industry. And despite his success, his dad still didn't think that he was good enough. Marvin tried to go in a completely different direction altogether. He was trying his hand at professional football for a time. Did he play football? Did he play professional? He, I think he tried. He tried to, like, break out of of his um, contract, and they were like, no, no, no. But he was accepted injured, to play on a team? Was he ever on a team? He was not allowed to. They, uh, they said, yeah. you can't try out for the Raiders. Get fucked. No. It's not happening <laughs> because if you get injured, it could ruin your singing career. So they would uh, not let him do it. Yeah, what I found sad about that was like the fact that he spent all this time just trying to make his father approve of the things he was doing and like it's still not happening. Yeah, it's still not working. So he went back to music and this is when he wrote <laughs> What's Going On, which alluded to the police brutality and an anti-war rally in Berkeley. Hmm. The label didn't want to release it because it was too political, but Gay was tired of being a puppet and he went on strike until they agreed to release it as a single. It was a good idea yeah. because it hit number one. <laughs> and um, the album it was on became Gay's first million-selling album. After that, he received two Grammy nominations and some NAACP Image Awards. Rolling wow. Stone magazine called him the trendsetter of the year. Mega success <laughs> follows. <laughs> so, I mean, just because he was allowed to do one thing that he wanted. And if you listen to that song, it is political, but it's not like... I'm never listening to him again. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it very well could have been. And like the whole song is just about like what? Why are we? Why are we fighting? What is the point of all of these wars? I mean, why? It's really can't not we that just political. be chill? And and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! That's an extreme stance. If you're not one yeah. million percent into war, then can't we just get along? Yeah, so um, at this point, he became super, super successful. Marvin Gaye was the first black artist to sign such a lucrative uh, deal with a record agency. He signed a deal with Motown worth $1 million at the time, which is about $6 million now. Wow. Um, he worked with Diana Ross at this point. There you go, Drew, getting number one hits left and right. And what was he buying with all of his cash? Cassie? <laughs> That is correct. That was good timing because I really had to sniff. C -c 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 cocaine, Cassie. <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> Never in my life. Yeah. So he was buying. He was buying a bunch of coke. Except um, for that one time at Bush Gardens. I like Coca Cola. No, cocaine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So he and his wife Anna Gordy broke up after what was a pretty tumultuous fourteen-year relationship. It's um, a long time. Yeah. Well, I don't imagine he had very many good role models as far as relationships go in his life. Yeah. So I can see where. 
the fame, first of all, uh, coming from such poverty, having to deal with the fame, all of this money all of a sudden, drugs, and and just having no positive role well, models. The, the irony, too, of him faking a mental illness, but, like, showing signs of mental illness throughout his life. Yeah, I do think eventually he, he truly did develop something. Sure. But So, he, first off, it was the cocaine addiction, and then he started experiencing trouble with the IRS regarding back taxes, and it all came crashing down as uh, Marvin Gaye moved to Hawaii and attempted to record a disco album. <laughs> Bad idea. Marvin Gaye had a European tour in 1980, but he was pretty scared of being imprisoned because of the over $4 million he owed the IRS in back taxes. So he relocated to London to record his next album. So in 1980, one of uh, Gaye's musicians got a demo tape, Rough Draft, stolen. And that person brought it straight to Motown, the person who, who stole it. So Motown remixed the tape and released it without even telling Marvin Gaye, who was in London at the time. And at this point, Marvin Gaye decided that he would never work with Motown again. Yeah, I mean, what do you do when someone steals your shit? Yeah, they stole it and brought it straight to them and then fucking released it. Did like, they release it as Marvin Gaye or did they just like use this? They released it as him. And oh. then he didn't even know that it was happening because he was in London. And then it came out and he was like, what the hell? Like that stuff was not ready yet. Oh, yeah, I didn't finish that. You so can't bad. just take my stuff and release it when yeah. you say it's ready. So he had no final say on that. Um, in 1981, Marvin moved to Belgium, where instead of falling further into a black hole of drug use, he actually stopped the coke habit. He started working out, and he was attending church again. Not that that's going to do anything. I don't know. People need their things. <laughs> Got to yeah, work out your spirit things. sometimes, girls. Right. So he was, he was trying to turn it around. He started to feel much better and uh, tried to plan a comeback with a new label, CBS. The album was Midnight Love. The single was Sexual Healing. It hit number one on the Hot Black Singles Chart, which, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> hot Black Singles Chart. Uh, that chart has changed many names, like, many times because um, it's kind of fucked up. It started in 1942 under the name The Harlem Hit Parade, changed to Race Records in 1945. Oh. Um, yeah, what the fuck? And then went on to Hot R&B Singles. Um, they could have stayed there. But they changed it even more to hot black singles before eventually setting on hot R&B slash hip hop songs, which is where it's at right now. Sounds like hot singles in your area now. Yeah. My thing, so I can see where this might be helpful for people that want to like give ratings to African-Americans to get them known. Well, I just mean uh, like name it after the style of music. Don't call it hot black singles. What the fuck is that? Absolutely not. And the Harlem hit parade. um, What? I mean, who knows? It just is not fair. I'm glad that it's renamed now to R&B and not race records because you're really making it so they're not allowed to branch out of this because of their race. Right. It's not about that. It's about their style of music. And brand. Sure. So Midnight Love uh, was the album. It was insanely successful. It won Marvin Gaye two Grammys in 1983. And he had actually 12 nominations for the Grammys over his career. People magazine called it America's hottest musical turn on since physical, which we just talked about. Yeah. Right, yeah. So I actually, that's why it was like fresh in my mind because I actually went to the music video thinking about thick butts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> Again, so with this success of Midnight Love came more cocaine. 
Um, the fact that Marvin hated touring really made it tough. So even though he had gotten sober in Belgium, he hopped right back on his bullshit once he had this <laughs> album come out. Sure. Uh, nevertheless, Marvin headed back out on tour, and he he tumbled down that black hole of drugs once more. This time, he emerged with some paranoia. Mm. Um, dude would wear a bulletproof vest on stage because he was so paranoid. Um, once uh, Once his tour was over... He moved back to his parents' house in L.A., which I thought was pretty lame at first, but come to find out his mom was recovering from surgery, his dad was out of town, and his money bought the house back in 1973. Look, I hate that he even bought a house for that father to do. Like, that was probably another tactic to be like, look, Dad, I bought you a house. Do you love me now, Daddy? (laughs) Um, The manipulative mind power that man had over him. It's terrible. It should be studied by a psychologist. I don't understand. Like, oh, there's no indoor pool. Like where's the uh, where's the tennis court? Yeah. Honestly, Why isn't it furnished? It reminds me too of of Johnny Cash. You know, after his brother died, he was always trying to impress his dad because his dad said it should have been you. Yeah, and so he did the same thing. He like bought that big house. Remember? And I mean, yeah, his dad was like, "You think you're cool now because you have a fucking house? Like, well, you still should have died, not your brother." It sucks because you can't even enjoy. Right. Being an, on top. Yeah, because like you're he worried was, about impressing. Could you imagine mm-hmm. being the number one artist in the world and, like, feeling like you suck ass because your dad is like, hey, you suck ass. I'm sure that happens uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, I think even it happens now. to a lot of people. Everybody, even if they're famous and successful and rich, we know now at this point that everybody has the same sort of insecurities yeah. that they're dealing with. So, obviously, uh, Marvin Gaye was much closer with his mom. Um, With his dad not approving of his music career, but his mom encouraging it, Marvin and his dad had always, like, racked up quite a bit of resentment over the years. And since he had become the breadwinner of the family, he was undermining his father with a skill that was not supposed to even turn into a real career. Marvin's sisters used to live at the house, but they ended up moving out, too, because of the father-son beef. Uh, Marvin spent the days at home taking care of his mom because she had just gotten out of surgery. And when his dad came back to town from his business trip in October of 1983, he was bringing home with him some sort of insurance policy on the house. The two coexisted there for about six months with attempts to keep their distance from each other. Mm. Marvin Sr. kicked out Junior after one of their many arguments, and he even called the cops. But Junior eventually came back to the house to try to make peace with his dad. Turns out Marvin Sr. had told one of his daughters that if Junior ever touched him, he'd kill him. And soon thereafter, we learned just how serious his threats were. My thing is, is like, whose name is the house in? Because if he bought it for them and then put it in their in their name, that's like... Yeah, he still would have a right to be there. But, yeah. I mean, if it's that explosive, would you even want to? I wouldn't want to stay. Christmas of 1983... Marvin Gaye was probably still coked up and paranoid. Imagine having to share a house with the one person who you despise the most. Regardless, for Christmas, Marvin gave his dad a Smith & Wesson 38 special for protecting the house. Mm. In those days, his sisters say that he really did little besides talk about suicide and death. He hardly ever left his bedroom. And when he did, he looked disheveled and apathetic. Now, um, remember the insurance policy that Marvin Sr. took out on the house during his business trip? Yeah, what's that about? Yeah, the family wanted to know the same thing. They were arguing about the document, which had been misplaced constantly. (laughs) And at this point, it seems as though Alberta was in Marvin Jr.'s room with him. Marvin Sr. started to shout at Alberta, which led Marvin Jr. to emerge from his room and start shouting back at his father down the stairs in his mother's defense. Yeah. 
Marvin Jr. challenged his dad to come and say that shit to him face to face. <laughs> and Marvin Sr. jumped at it. He ran up the stairs and Jr. was like, don't you fucking dare come into my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Sr. entered his room anyways. And Jr. shoved his dad out of the room and into the hall, which is where a scuffle began. Can you imagine being the mom in this scenario? She should have stood up for, for her son with this asshole, I think. Okay, she came from a, a family that was abusive. Yeah, she was... Her husband beat her children and probably beat her regularly, so it's not as easy as just standing up to the guy. I get, I get that. I mean, it's, it's not that simple. Uh, Marvin Jr. was kicking and punching his father, and she would just come out of surgery. She was injured, you know? Yeah. She's not going to do anything when there's two men screaming at each other who were both physically... It's just physically... sad that she could never get out of that abusiveness. Yeah. And, or get her cycle. family out of that abusiveness. Because, like, a lot of people will put up with that on their own, but when you see your kid go through that, it's, like, a different level of, you know... Yeah, I mean, tolerance. there's been instances even, too, where a woman has killed her abuser and still gets time in prison, even though it's she, it's self-defense. Yeah. Right. Fucked up. So, so yeah. Marvin Jr. was kicking and punching his dad. Um, he was getting some pretty good hits, and according to Alberta, he retreated eventually to his own bedroom where Marvin Jr. continued to punch and kick him. Um, Alberta ended up getting them apart, but the damage was done. Marvin Sr. had made it clear on multiple occasions that if any of the kids made a fool out of him or fought him back, that he would straight up murder them. So he had some some underlying issues that probably stemmed from abuse in his home. I'm sure. Marvin Jr. went back to his room, but Alberta saw Marvin Sr. come out of his room with the gun that Junior had given him for Christmas the previous year. Alberta explained it to the police later as, quote, I was standing about eight feet away from Marvin when my husband came to the door of the bedroom with his pistol. My husband didn't say anything. He just pointed the gun at Marvin. I screamed, but it was very quick. He, my husband, shot, and Marvin screamed. I tried to run. Marvin slid down to the floor after the first shot. Mm. So the first shot hit Marvin Gaye on his left shoulder below his collarbone, which is very close to your heart. Um, yeah. And then that led him to fall down. Then a second shot penetrated his lung, his heart, his diaphragm, liver, and kidney. Wow. Um, Alberta thought that she was going to be next. So she fucking booked it out of there. Uh, Marvin Gaye's father hid the gun under the pillow, probably trying to make it appear as a suicide. Um because he had been having, like, suicidal thoughts or whatever. Yeah, but him, it would be, have to be on the floor. He was on the floor. Why would the gun be in the pillow? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's totally stupid. So Gay's brother Frankie and his wife Irene were also at the house at the time. They heard Alberta screaming about the shooting. And they didn't know if Senior still had the gun, but they went into Gay's room and helped and held him as he was bleeding out. Um, according to reports, Gay's last words were along the lines of how he couldn't do it himself, so his dad had to do it for him. That's crazy. Yeah, the police mm-hmm. were called. Irene brought them the gun, and she just dropped it on the front lawn. Marvin Sr. had taken a seat on the front, por- the front porch, and he was arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvin Gay was later taken to the California Hospital Medical Center, where he was pronounced dead on arrival at 1.01 p.m. April 1st, 1984. It was the day before his 45th birthday. So sad. His father was questioned by police where he chose to go with self-defense. He was saying he didn't know if the gun was loaded and that he was scared. Um, They asked him if he loved his son. And this motherfucker said, let's say I didn't dislike him. 
they told him that his son had died, and then he wept, realizing that he had killed him. But are they real, real tears? Because psychopaths can fake a lot of emotion when needed. But yeah. the thing is, too, is like he probably wasn't sad that his son was dead. He now knew he would be spending time in jail. He's sad yeah. for himself. He's feeling bad for himself. It's interesting that all of Gay's siblings think that they they think it's a premeditated suicide. Like when someone can't bring themselves to commit suicide, so they try to force the cops to shoot them. Um, his siblings believed that by beating the fuck out of his dad, he accomplished three things. One, he put himself out of his misery. Two, he got his dad out of his poor mother's life. And then three, he punished his dad. Yeah, but out of all of the years of torment that his dad caused him, like you would think that maybe he could have just been like, okay, if I just kick his ass real bad one time, he will leave me alone and this won't be a thing anymore. No, I'm sure I'm mean, at that point after being like abused for your whole life and having your dad threaten you and say, because I, I totally understand the like respect thing of it where you're like, I'm the parent and you respect me. And if you embarrass me, I will fucking kill you. And that's exactly what he did. He followed through with that because it was such a big thing. He never liked his kid. He was embarrassed already about the fact that he was the breadwinner of the family over him. And he he seems like right. that very, like, toxic masculinity yeah, getting his, type of guy. Yeah, his feelings in the way of someone else's happiness. Yeah, so he, he ended up following through with the thing he always promised. And I'm sure that Marvin Jr. knew his dad was serious when he said that. And, you know, when he did it, yeah. he's like, well, let's fucking take care of this now. He was suicidal anyway, so it, it makes sense. Uh, Marvin had three children at the time of his death, and along with his wife Anna, um, they were now responsible for his insane taxes That's and debts. Crazy, yeah, six hundred thousand dollars in back ta- back taxes, three hundred thousand dollars in back alimony, and he was one point nine million dollars in debt. Um, luckily, his royalties did end up paying off those debts. What's crazy though is like they were divorced, so why would they be then responsible for? I don't know. I I honestly don't know how any of that shit works. (laughs) Like when somebody dies and they have debts, I think it just goes to the immediate family. It does. I I don't know. Goes to your kids, offspring first. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't matter if you're divorced. Maybe it was because they didn't have like a prenup. So I don't know. She was still involved in some of the... Yeah, I'm not sure. She was still getting all of his money for his his royalty. So Marvin Sr. was held at the L.A. County Jail. He was still claiming that he did not mean to murder his son. I call bullshit. Um, They ended up finding a tumor at the base of his brain, uh, but they still did find him competent to stand trial. Alberta filed for divorce, but she still bailed her husband out two days later. Um, When he stood trial, Marvin Sr. was granted a plea bargain the judge considered the drugs that were found in Marvin Jr.'s system and Marvin Sr.'s injuries at the time of his death. Um, so they they said, he did beat the shit out of you. So, you know, plea deal, I guess. Self-defense um, or whatever? Yeah. Is well, it- they, they charged him with a six-year suspended sentence with five years of probation for murdering his child. Marvin so he got Sr. a year. Yeah, Marvin Sr. pled no contest. Um, They reduced the charges to voluntary manslaughter rather than like first degree is planned, second degree is like out of heat of passion, which is the only other thing I think this could be considered as. Heat of passion would be the most serious, voluntary manslaughter would be the lesser charge or um, self-defense, which is not really a charge, that's a defense. Um, The news of Marvin Gaye's death spread pretty quickly. Many of his friends and fellow performers like Otis... Williams of The Temptations, Smokey Robinson, and Jermaine Jackson. Uh, They heard the news on the radio, as seems to be 
the case with so many of our. So um, fans showed up to his home and they held vigils and they left gifts and memorabilia until what would have been his 45th birthday the very next day. Marvin Gaye's funeral was held on April 5th and attended by over 10,000 mourners. He was later cremated. His ashes were spread in the ocean by his three children and Anna. And it's said that every year from April 1st through the 5th, fans gather at his Hollywood Walk of Fame star and play tributes to Marvin Gaye. Oh, that's nice. You don't really hear about... No, people doing it every year. Yeah. Yeah, super sweet. Um, So that is the story of... Marvin Gaye and his dad who murdered him. I know one thing. I'm never going to name my child after me. Yeah. Like. No. <laughs> that's not really a girl thing anyway. That's yeah. a pretentious dude thing. It's super weird that he, this is, because he didn't like his other son, Michael, either. Um, but this is the kid that he named after himself, but then he always hated. Because he was already doing better as a, like a young adult than he ever did, maybe. But he wonder, always hated him. I don't know. I wonder if it was competitive, like, you have to do what I... A lot of fathers are um, like that, where they're like, no, I know what's best. You're not going to, like, sing and travel the world I mean, and shit. He's your actual namesake in yeah. all yeah. You have aspects. to be me. Yeah. You have to be me. And when, like, the son kind of derails from that. Yeah, like he never was interested in being a preacher, so. Yeah. There's a lot of fathers like that where it's like they, they're the poor guys, like they all they want is a baseball player and they get mm. like a, you know. I don't uh, know. My, my a dad watercolor plays... artist or something uh, and they're like, damn. Come on. My dad <laughs> plays French horn and all he wanted was a kid to be in band. Clint. Jake, yeah, Clint, Clint plays French horn. Hey, Jake, Clint. My brother played French horn for a little bit, but he had to get surgery on his jaw and they had to break it and like move it into the right place and fuse it back together. So he could, once, once he was healed, he could not play French horn anymore. Like he physically was incapable of What if of that doing was it. like, he could have been the best French horn player ever and then like that just got ruined? He was probably bullshitting. He was probably like, oh, darn, my mouth doesn't do it oh. anymore. <laughs> we were on. <laughs> That's something he would do. But my dad, guess what? Didn't murder any of us. That's so good. he I'm was just like, damn. Very few Clinton murders. Yeah. I was on the uh, on the cruise <laughs> ship, on the cruise we went on when you when were. When he pushed that man off of the edge? Oh, yeah, definitely. What? Yeah. Just kidding. When oh. we were doing. <laughs> we had, had a, <laughs> I was like, shit. <laughs> we had a karaoke night and Alex was a little loose and she was Ooh. getting up there. She was entering all these karaoke competitions. And sure, because she can me sing. Me and Clint were standing what? back and we we're like, yeah. She actually is pretty musically talented. Duh. I was like, I tried to get her on the fucking drums and try to yeah. get her to sing, and no interest. No interest. I'm not so good. He was like, I was gonna murder her. <laughs> <laughs> I I had a karaoke machine when I was a child, and I like used it every single oh day. But my sister actually ended up slamming her door in my mom's face one time when they were gotten into an argument. So my mom had my dad take the door off the hinges. And I was like, this is prime opportunity. So I moved my room around and I put the karaoke machine on our shared wall. Oh, my God. And she didn't have a door. So it just like echoed throughout. What an awesome feeling to be the good kid and your door's still on. And And I can still sing my little heart out. Oh, my God. (laughs) They did that. My sister was a horrible teenager, probably the worst teenager ever. And my parents took her. her, You try to take a a teenage girl's door off. Like, I don't feel like that flies anymore. No. Unless you're going to put like a beaded curtain across it. (laughs) Don't take my damn door off. Yeah. Yeah. The psychological aspects. Yeah, I would definitely see like things my sister would do that would get her in trouble. And then I would like 
like ask us and be like, I didn't do it. <laughs> I would never do that, mom. Yeah. Emily's a bitch. <laughs> oh, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> <laughs> she knows she was a bitch back then. She's the sweetest person now. She's an amazing adult, but. And coming up soon, Ooh. we'll have the Shit Talk Your Sister podcast. Oh my God, let's oh, do we it. We should do that. <laughs> can we call it, can we call it Your Sister Sucks? Yes, and I think that we've had like 10 conversations this weekend with people who were like, God, my sister fucking sucks. So we probably could. I wouldn't I wouldn't let us talk about our sisters on that podcast because we would only lose like connections, but we can let other people anonymously like Oh, like send in, in stories about Yeah, and then send we in read stories them. or like we could we interview them and be like, what happened with yours? That would be so fun. Oh that my gosh. So Second fun. ideas. With that. Way to derail it. We really did. It's we fine. really did. It's okay. But People um, like us now. This is the fourth episode. I hope so. We're liked. It's cool. Good. We're friends now. You can't ignore it. Yeah. Don't you have to me. let certain things slide. <laughs> yeah. Like our friendship. Yes. <laughs> so um that being said, not to, you know, detract from Marvin Gaye, which was the whole point about this podcast. Yeah. Um, listen to the playlist because it is fucking awesome. If you go on Spotify and search for Death by Music playlists or whatever, um, you'll be able to find Marvin Gaye's playlist and all of the other ones. But we've got them all up there where we we put the music on that we have discussed in the episode and then some other influences and things from the time. You're welcome. Um, we've also got social media pages. We and do. we got super lucky because we got to name them all Death by Podcast team. So if you search for, for that on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you'll find us. And also our email is deathbypodcastteam at gmail.com. Yeah. Send us stories about your sister. Don't who forget sucks. to quote our sources because we actually did oh research. Oh my God, I didn't do it. Um, Let's talk about research. I used now. a lot, I got a lot of um, information from Wikipedia and biography.com. They had some really good write ups. Yeah. Um, and I think there were there were a few more that we used that we mentioned in the text. So I'm not gonna quote stuff we already talked about. Well, go uh, go serenade yourself with some Marvin Gaye and don't get shot by your father. Where's the solid life? Yes. Bye. This is my Music by Demons, at Demons Band on Instagram. Mastering by Adam Dobb. Graphic Arts by Mike Johnson. Writing by Alex Motler and Cassie Gardner. With assistance from Drew Orton.